to the Gentleman Ultras podcast in association with The Guardian. Uh, this is also going to be on YouTube. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Richard Hall, and we have Emmett Gates, as always. And I am absolutely delighted to say that we have CEO of Palmer, Carl Krauss, with us today. I mean, this is a big one for us, so thank you, Carl, first and foremost, for joining us. Um, how are you today, anyway? How, how is things? How's things with Palmer? What's the day-to-day like as, we, as, as you're going on at the moment? I think first, I mean, Richard Emmett, thank you so much for asking me to be here. It's uh, great for me to be able to sit and talk about Farmer Calcio, so what's a better way to spend some time? <laughs> so I, I appreciate you asking, and I certainly enjoy the topic and the opportunity to talk about it. I think for kind of a status update, as you're asking what's happening, uh, I just came back from Italy a few days ago, I had a chance to be there for the first couple of days of training, as we do in our summer training, got a chance for me to... Um, you know, meet some of the players for the first time face to face, and then also some of you know very players that called up. So it's, it's a, for us, it's a bit of a some new faces, new roster going into into training. So to meet them, get a chance to meet Enzo, and then some of the other coaching staff that we've added. So we've, we've made a lot of changes on the sporting side, particularly, but also on the business side. And so just a chance to spend some time with them, get up in the mountains, and uh, get to meet. And, Watching the training, so it was a it was a delightful few days for me. I had to watch the, the last few friendlies, including yesterday's, um, on home. So I'm sitting with my little uh, uh, YouTube on the big screen, watching something. So it's been uh, it's been fun to watch. Always better be in person, but it's nice to stay connected. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions that we want to ask about. Obviously, continuing with that current status. Obviously, the change of coach. Uh, obviously, it's Serie B, but there's a lot obviously going on. Uh, questions about Tardini, but can I just take you back a little bit and, you know, watching uh, videos of you talking originally about, um, you know, Parma, the way that, you know, uh, you and your wife got married in Italy, the way that, you know, it seems your grandparents in Sicily, this, you know, this association you have. We, Emmett and I very much associate with that, that love of Italy, that love of Italian culture. It goes far beyond football. Um I think me and Emmett can understand it as why Palmer, because of the history, because of what's happened in recent years. But from your own words, can you just let us know a little bit of um, what, for our listeners, what made that decision to go for Palmer? Why Why was it there? You know, because when you look at your association with Sicily, you could at the time have said maybe Palermo, something like that. But Palmer obviously really got something with you. Yeah, I think um, certainly you said it well, you know, as an Italian-American, I've got a passion for Italy. Uh, just as you mentioned, from the standpoint of got engaged and married there. One of my sons got married there. Opportunity to have um, two wineries there. I mean, just really love everything about it. And yes, my great grandmother is from Palermo, and so Palermo uh, is my second club. Uh, as you, but but for me with Parma, uh, it was a bit of just um, looking. I started to just look at potential opportunities in the future is, gee, someday where I'd be lucky enough to be able to own, you know, uh, any club in Italy. And you start looking and talking, and we've got our American soccer team um, and looking to make change there, different conversations, stadium, et cetera. So I was doing a little more work on this thing and started to come across to maybe something fail. I'm like, wow, okay, Um, what's that? And as we looked at the list, and, you know, like probably any business, there's always – more things for sale than you realize as an outsider <laughs> looking at it. And as looked at the choices, I mean, for me, Parma was a easy uh, first choice. And even 
when you buy something, you always look back, you know, whatever, 30 days later and say, is that the right thing? And, or no hesitation. So for me, you know what you mentioned, right? We have fantastic, fantastic history, you know, the fourth most European trophies of any club in Italy, but the 16th most European trophies of any club, period, which is kind of fantastic history. So you've got that history piece, which certainly from a worldwide meaning standpoint is great, but it's a great fan base. Very... Uh, very supportive yeah. fan base, very positive fan base, a great city. Haven't you guys been to Parma? No, unfortunately not. Beautiful city, great food, great people. So you kind of look and it was, it became more so in hindsight than in foresight. It's really a no-brainer from a, from an opportunity standpoint. The great previous owners. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was just a, a fantastic opportunity. I'm super excited about it. No, very much. So. I mean, I think you wanted to talk about a couple of things, maybe nostalgic nature as well. Yeah, okay. I don't. You probably don't know, but in the nineteen nineties, Italian Serie A was basically shown on live on Channel Four, like just terrestrial TV. So that's how Richard and myself fell in love with Serie A, and Parma almost became everyone's second club. In a way, you know, they had the English club. Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, whatever, but it was almost like Parma were everyone's second team because they had all the great players like Gigi Buffon, Hernan Crespo, Fabio Cannavaro, um, and so on. And obviously, as you alluded to, they, they won several European trophies, the UEFA Cup twice, the Cup Winners' Cup. So there's such a great... Parma evokes such great memories for people in the UK, and it was nice... The news it was when it was announced that yourself uh, the 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 Christ group was taken over, it went down really well here because people always like to see Parma doing well. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it's not always you want some foreigner to come in and and buy your club. So I'm glad that the English thought well. I mean, the Italians and the people in Parma have been super friendly to me too. So I, I've been pleasantly surprised. I think, I think, especially because, as Emma says, you know, there is such a feeling for, um, for Parma, but also, you know, I, we've talked about it before on previous podcasts that we think that Italian football to evolve, like we've seen English football evolve, needs sometimes foreign ownership, and we've seen the Rocco Camiso, who we've interviewed before here, um, you know, at Fiorentina, obviously at Bologna as well. Uh, we've had, yeah, Benetzi have had in the past uh, North American ownership. And, you know, it does evolve. It makes needs that and one of the questions I have for you because unfortunately you know we can't uh, we're not always full-time journalists and I work, work in a corporate background but what makes it interesting for me is because how can how you do you want to brand Parma moving forward because one of the things I heard you talk about in the past was that it's time to youth development you know young Italian players we're looking at the Tardini and I think that for us is quite exciting because I think a lot of Italian clubs in the past have failed to do that, you know, failed to look at the youth systems, and it's a big miss. And so for a rebrand of Parma, um, you know, looking at the Tardini, maybe changing a few things, modifying it, because let's face it, all Italian stadiums need modifying with the, <laughs> with the difficult structures around that. Um, yeah, it seems quite exciting. So are we wrong in thinking that that's the kind of brand message that's being put across, or is there something different we're missing? I think you, you said it well. I just kind of uh, maybe 
put those in my words, not that I'm not to say, not, not that I can say it better than what you said, but I think if you think of us collectively, you know, I look at this from our standpoint as a family, as a, as our family, we've had the opportunity to be the, the owners today and owners for a long time in the future of Parma Calcio. And so for me, the first and foremost is take that long-term mindset to what we're doing and look at this thing from a generational standpoint. And I think when you look at an example like the academy that you mentioned is trying to trying to grow and develop youth players is not a solution for us to get promoted from Serie B to Serie A next this season. I mean, that's not going to help us. And you then have to make that investment and say, how do we do it? Um, I met one of our young kids the other day just coincidentally. Uh, I was there in the hotel and Ten-year-old boy who scores a bunch of goals, etc. And I'm like, okay, well that's those are players you want to play for us into the future. And how do we create the right experience from a training standpoint? How do we create the right environment? And how do we give those young players the growth opportunity to then develop like the first team? Because you see the resources get applied to the first team from analytics, uh, nutrition, psychology, whatever. But those needs are just as great for the 10-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 16-year-old. And so for me, it's, it's how do we grow that side of what we're doing. I think also you mentioned from Tardini's standpoint, and Collectio is where we train. So we've got to update Collectio, we've got to update Tardini. And we're, uh, we're making good progress on Tardini. And you know, fingers crossed, by the end of the year, we'll have our commissions done to make that happen, which would be fantastic, and really transform that into a stadium that, um, would be like what we see around the world, not the bar of what's in Italy, allegedly, but <laughs> a bar that's not the best stadium. And so how do you create a stadium environment like that? The same for a training facility. You know, people are like, oh, this is one of the top training facilities in Italy, but if you look at the EPL and you say, what's a training facility look like? Boy, we're, we're probably in that relegation zone from what you, know, what you have in the EPL. So it's a little bit of trying to get the mindset of, let's look around the world of what good looks like and try to mirror that and create that environment. I think branding Plecchio and Tardini, growing the youth side, certainly leveraging this favorite second club point that you guys are both kind enough to mention that you know, how does Parma go back to that around the world appeal that we had uh, before and still have that, that fondness that people have for us. And then I think lastly, uh, but not solely, is the focus on the analytics side of what we're uh, I think the analytics part, you see clubs in England, the clubs doing a great job, Americans across different sports, the clubs doing a great job in analytics, and that's going to be, it is an important part of the future for us, is making sure that all of our people in the sporting side and the business side are open-minded to what the data can be showing us versus the things that we know because we play the sport all our life. No, absolutely. I'm good. Come back to Emmett in a second because I know you want to talk about Gigi Buffon being a marvelous. Can I am allowed to say you're an events fan? Before we go to Emmett on that, um, my, my question is um, obviously uh, it makes perfect sense in what you're saying, and I think that's really around about making Palmer, you know, like you say, the big club that everyone knows him to be. Um, obviously, things are different this year. and I think what I'm trying to ask is, firstly, uh, what are the expectations from your point of view in City of B this year? Is it obviously promotion straight away? And secondly, if you don't mind me asking, I'm really interested to know that a lot of um, 
City Out clubs are really taking on the social media here and really improving. You look at the lack of Roma, especially Inter are very good and really pushing it. Do you think that that's a really key point to getting Palmer back into that brand mindset? Well, sorry, getting people in buying into the mindset that Palmer is still, obviously, and always will be a huge club and that social media is key to that. So I know it's a two questions in one, but I think that, you know, coming out of Syria being to City Out, which is what we all hope Palmer can do, it's not just on the field, it's not just with the, the training facility, but it seems to be now almost taking on a bigger picture that, you know, the club itself has to be very conscious of brand management and social media. Yeah, I think um, well said on both those things. Uh, first, obviously, I'll address the Syracuse question. Um, yeah, our, our intention is to have a, a team that gets immediately promoted. Like any league anywhere in the world, everything's difficult. And Promotion was easy anywhere. To win a league was easy anywhere. I don't know where that would be. And so it, I don't. I look at the competition in Syria. I'm actually happy that it continues to get strong. I think it's good for the sport. It's good for Italian calcio, and that's important to all of us here that are talking. So that part, you know, I look at this in a, in a less selfless way, saying let's, let's grow Syria. Let's make it strong. It's a good thing for us. I look at our team, and we're not making really any player decisions because we got relegated. Meaning, you know, we got great players like you know, Dennis Mann that they immediately, okay, you know, let's, you know, let's whatever, sell Dennis and get the cash and you know, do something mm-hmm. while we're in B. It's like, no, no, this is a, you know, knock, knock on wood. This is a one-year thing for us, no promises. And we're going to go at it with a strong squad. And look at what we're doing over the summer. We've added talented players, not, uh, Players that can play in three hours in a year with us, not just um, players that are, you know, good enough and wholesale selling of who we have for, for different reasons besides the growth of what we're doing. So that's the that's the answer there. I think from a from a social media standpoint, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I very much believe in the, the power of social media. Um, I'm on Twitter myself and enjoy interacting with fans all over. And I think it's how you touch people and how, how else would we touch our fans in Argentina, Romania, England, America, unless we do it through social media channels. I think today um, we do it so-so. And I think there's a much better way that we can do it and we will focus on doing it better. And I say that in the sense that, you know, I think previously our club has been run uh, in a way that was very Italian-centric and very, you know, we go from D to G to B to uh, It's just a, it's a different mindset than that. You know, now I'm like, okay, we're a Syriac club. That's who we are. We've got an international brand. What what do we do with that international brand? And I'll give you an example. Um, yesterday, I was talking to Emmett right before we started. And I mentioned that you know, we played Volcom in a friendly yesterday, and I had a chance to watch it. You know, we had three choices. You could watch it through YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. So good for us. You know, we had Three ways we're getting the game out. They're proud of the teams for doing that. A little sponsorship play with it. They're proud for doing that. Um, but uh, interesting, the, the feed of the game by us was in Italian. The feed of the game by Volcom was in German. So yeah. in the world, X percentage of the people can listen to the game in those two languages. The rest of the world is saying, I'm speaking, not because I'm talking to two people, in England and me in America, but what, you know, I had fans on Twitter saying, "How come this isn't in English?" I'm like, I agree. 
We've got to market around the world. Not, not ignoring our Italian fans who you love and show up and create that great environment for Dini, but also from a branding standpoint, we have, to, we have to do both. So my answer really is, yes, we'll get there, you know, but we're doing all this very quickly. And so we will get a better job when we're doing social media-wise, but yes, it's very important. I think also with social media, you know, if I can, if I can go this, this, you know, the social message is important too, not just the social media. And it's part of who we are at the club and what we can do from a messaging standpoint. And that becomes a worldwide message also. Does that, does that come from the, uh, obviously with your company, you know, you, you very much make it like a family feel. Is that what you want to do with the club as well? Yeah, I think it's, um, it was interesting. We just, we hired um, a fantastic uh we had a goalkeeping force out of Sweden, Sweden national team goalkeeper. And I met Matt for the first time. I was at training last week. And when I, so I arrived at the hotel with my son, dropped off our bags, went straight to training, and walked in. And for me, it's just, you know, I hadn't seen everybody for a few weeks. And so for me, it's just saying hi to everybody. You know, I'm, you know, I'm hugging the coach. I'm hugging the kit man. I'm hugging the – what, and just the guys I hadn't seen. And I think this Matt's – Great, sharp young guy, super happy to have him. And he's like, wow, you're just kind of treating everybody the same. And that's, that's it. I mean, that's, what, that's the environment. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back and say this, but you, know, you teed up the question nice enough for me where <laughs> it is that. I mean, you know, I hadn't seen, you know, our kit man, Vito, in a while. It's been a few weeks. So, hey, how you doing? How, how are things? And that's, that's how you want to be. And so that is that family-type environment. It's for me, it's the availability of myself, availability of my son, not too non some type of fears that were superior and some I have to treat us differently. No, but really what I was, where I was going with that, Richard, thanks for bringing that up, is I was going more for the power of messaging of what we can do with the club in a worldwide way. And I think yeah. if you look at our, our last home game of the year, you know, we wore our Black Lives Matter jerseys um, and and came out with a black jersey to that. Certainly that irritates some people, but gives an opportunity to a messaging standpoint. And in America, um, our American soccer team, fourth division today, called the Moines Menace. Um, you know, we did an alternative jersey a couple of weeks ago, which I was actually wearing this morning. I could have kept it on if I <laughs> And I was out doing my stuff. But you know, we wore a, the LGBTQ plus uh, messaging within that for that game. So I think it's a point of you know, how do we take this platform that we have uh, for all around the world and get across positive social messages that need to get across and know we're going to irritate some people. And I think when we did the BLM thing, we had some fans that probably didn't embrace it, thought it was whatever else. And I look at it, it's, you know, we have a long ways to go and, you know, wearing a jersey one day and doing some support with uh, Len Jerome, one of our former players, as part of a messaging is a small step that we need to do from social messaging standpoint. Small, small step. Uh, Kyle, obviously Parma have made news the last couple of months with the, the return of arguably the greatest goalkeeper that's ever lived in Gigi Buffon. Was that a difficult deal to put together or was Gigi just very, yep, let's go? Let's, how, how, did that, how did the deal come around? Um, good, good question. I think, um, you know, when I, when I was lucky enough to have opportunity to buy Pharmacalgia last September. At that moment, the thought of signing someone like Gigi has to pop in your mind. Like, here's this player who came to us as a 13-year-old, 
got his debut at 17, greatest goalkeeper ever, um, and still playing top of his game, didn't lose a game last year at the Avengers. So you look at that opportunity and you say, gee, could we ever you know, convince Gigi to, to come to us? And is that possible? And for me then, I had a chance after my son to, um, to meet Gigi after the game in Torino and talked to him in the locker room and said hi. And I, at that point, I needed my, I planned to see saying, hey, Gigi, if you'd ever, you know, like to, uh, to come play for Parma, he got a laugh and did, you know, whatever. And at least the seeds planted. And I think we, when we talked to Gigi after that, it was, you know, he likes what we're trying to do and how we're trying to position Parma uh, from a change standpoint within Serie A within, within Dying Calcio and what we're doing. So having him endorse that by coming to us, but also for him, it was a chance to, I guess I'll say, give back and be part of what was good for him and his career and how do I continue to lead and be part of that. But I think he took it also as an um, opportunity, as an uh, emotional tie back to karma. So it was more of when the season ended, he asked for a couple of weeks to be able to kind of think about his options. He had options from some of the top clubs. <laughs> chose us but he thought it felt right and thought that it was a positive I think indictment of what we're trying to do with the club messaging wise. Yeah, because Buffon as from reading interviews, he's always said that it's not about the money, it's always about whatever stirs his emotions and you know, he feels it in his soul and obviously a return to Parma, you know, where it all began for him, you couldn't ask for a better almost bookend to his career. You know, he, he I, I, him, it was definitely that. It was, you're a world-class athlete, and you have to decide what motivates you. Yeah. And I wouldn't know. Never been there. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> and, and, tell me, and Gigi found this is his motivation, his next challenge, his opportunity, and really seizing that to come to us, play top-level football for us, be a leader, which we need, and um, help us get back to Syria. So that became his motivation to give back and find a chance to meet his wife. She kind of articulated the same message also that this is really important to Gigi to get to create that next drive. And I think the 2022 World Cup is his after promotion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> promotion first. <laughs> so sequence is good. And get back and, and, and play for Italy again in the World Cup. And so he's got that helping us. He's got the self motivation to prove he's one of the top keepers in the world. And uh, we're happy, we're lucky to be along for the ride. I love them. Um, I love the. We were talking earlier about social media. I love the the video package that you put together. You know, for his return, was that your idea? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> say it was a short video it was a good video and I think sometimes those small ones uh, really hit home in the memory I mean there was one and I know Emma and I have talked about one there was one that Venezia did when they brought out their new kit the other year 
and it was only like a minute before he begins and it bang and it just hits. And I think it was the same with Booth. I mean, I don't, I think that Everton and I talked about it before. Uh, of course, he had all those other options, but everyone wanted him back at Palmer. I think it's, uh, it felt right yeah. to I think he's not, he's just, he's not just a goalkeeper. He's not just um, someone who's been a legend in Italian football, but like Paolo Maldini, he's one of these people who just transcends club loyalties. And, you know, I think when you look at him, people want him to succeed. And Emma, I think we did a podcast not so long ago, and we said, you know, why wouldn't you take Gigi to the next, you know, World Cup? Or, you know, because even if it's a third goalkeeper, because he's good enough, he's still got the desire and the want. And he's literally up there, him and Dino is off. You're tossing balls in the air, aren't you, really, to say who's the best? And, 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 and for, for me, it's um, a, a, being a, someone of a certain vintage, um, it's just fantastic seeing him back at Parma. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, the leadership that you kind of talk about that he, he brings wherever he is, he's going to do it for us on the field. But even watching him in the stands and he's not playing, you know, you know riding the bench, whatever, um, you see that same leadership and that same engagement in what's going on. He's not sitting back and, you know, watching the game. He's making things happen on behalf of the club as he can wherever he is. I think one thing from Buffon, for me, which makes him as good as he is, is that obviously we saw him when he made his debut in 1995-96 against Milan for Palmer, of course. And then, you know, the, the transition of him and the way he played. But when he was been injured, the way he's then transformed his game, when he had the problems with his back, he transformed and became a new goalkeeper. You know, he became more positional. And just the way he's, I mean, Emmett, you all know this more than me, the way he's conducted himself right at his time at Juventus, he's, he's just a gentleman. And yeah, it, like you say, he must be absolutely huge for that dressing room because, you know, you look at what he's won. I mean, I can't even can think off the top of my head. I mean, he must be at least six, seven, eight Serie A titles, five, six Coppa Italias, a World Cup. You know, it's... He, he must have an influence, especially for those younger players in the dressing room. I think it's that. I look at our players' reactions, and you can see it, you know, even on social media. I mean, for them, it's just this dream come true to be next to a legend. It's like <laughs> players, you know, did, you know, the older ones maybe could think they could and had played for them. Um, but for the the younger ones, like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the same team as Gigi. And it's kind of that little bit of just love. But you watch I mean, you watch him in training, um, he's, he's not sitting back and doing whatever. He's trying to earn that right to be the number one goalkeeper and do what he has to do and lead and train and do the drills and win the drills and not win the drills and <laughs> do with all that passion and enthusiasm that he does. So he, he's the leader that we want. Yeah, definitely. When you when you back in Palmer, is it, are you, you going to spend quite a bit of time in Italy or does business take you into the States more often now? Or I'm... Um, I'm a bit of back and forth. I was uh, I was there as I mentioned last week for um, the opening of training. Got a chance when Gigi arrived to be there, um, spend some time with Enzo, meet some of the four times Enzo, meet some of the new staff, meet some of the staff for you know a little more in depth time. I'll go back again in um, ten days or so. I'll catch our last couple friendlies. Um, then I'll come back home for a few days then go back to kick off the season Copa tie in the first couple home games. So it's a bit of back and forth right now. It's between training, friendlies, Copa Italia, and uh, the kickoff of the season. So it's, it's then we get, you know, 
course, you could be like, "Are you going to actually announce when our games are going to be sometime in the future?" <laughs> it's a bit of a surprise right now when we play. So, uh, I'll have my schedule a little more cemented once they tell me when our games are actually going to be and going to play. But that's different. Yeah, I think Emmett and I have had many conversations about this, about trying to plan it for us uh, in Ireland and the UK. We go out a lot to the to watch games, and uh, planning it is uh, the biggest. It's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Logistic nightmare just to plan to. I, it was um, just a, and a quick note from that, which made, made me laugh the other day. We, I, well, me and my wife decided to book to go. Uh, I generally follow Inter and uh, book to go to San Siro as we do every year, many, many times. And I thought, we'll just pick a date in October. And the fix just come out. And for the first time ever, and you couldn't believe it, Emmett, neither Inter or Milan are at home. And it's the first time I can remember since 20 years. You know, Italy's, Italy's got a bit of catching up to do, hasn't it, Emmett? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Gary, I just want. Uh, I think August 8th we're going to play an intro if you want to come over and watch. <laughs> I would absolutely love to if restrictions allow. Trust me, I certainly would. Gary, um, oh no, I just. Um, I read um, this morning, I think it was yesterday, that there was a Lega Serie A meeting about proposals in the next couple of years to reduce Serie A to 18 teams. Where do you sit on that agenda? So, Emma, you're going to rub it in that I couldn't be in that meeting because I'm in Serie B. But I mean... Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. Yes. Uh, but it just... <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, but, but, uh, I look at this and think, to me, the mindset has to be we're in a growth sport and growth business, and that's how we are. And I think there's times when, um, not just Syria, but other leagues around Europe, think of it in a different mindset, in a different thing of like, what do I do about today, next week, next month? And I know we're coming off COVID and tough times, and you know, all of us have lived this, this pandemic, and I'm not trying to shortchange that. But you tell me, is Calcio a growth sport or a shrinking sport? I'm betting on the growth sport side. And if you're a growth sport, you're not betting on 18 teams, you're betting on 20 teams. And you're betting on 20 teams in Serie B. And you're betting on a more inclusive Copa Italia instead of a, instead of a restrictive Copa Italia that we created this year. And I think, especially due after the Super League, is hard to believe. I know people have the best intentions of making decisions. I'm no expert. But yes, we should have 20 teams in Serie A, 20 competitive teams. I mentioned Serie B. If Serie B, the competitiveness in Serie B, is very high. Yeah. Strong clubs with strong ownership and mission and what they want to do. And there's always the ones that get promoted that hadn't been in the league in a while, and that part's always exciting. But there's just there's strength in that. And there's strength in Serie A. It gets stronger every year. And that's a 20-team league. That's a league that's marketing themselves around the world in a proactive standpoint and in a long-term standpoint. And I think what we do is we chase sometimes that, that quick dollar. You know, if there's if we're dividing the money pop from TV by 18 instead of 20, gee, we get more money. Gosh, if we got it by 10, you get more money. And to a point, over time, you don't have more money because someone else has passed you as a greater sport. Mm. So we, in Syria and all Calcio, you know, we're competing around the world. We're competing around around um, Europe, and we have to look at saying, okay, what puts us in the best position to catch the EPL? not to make the most money over the next five years. 
And that sometimes, um, again, in my American speak, leaving money on the table, where you're going to say, yeah, it's not as important today. Where I'm not going to change platforms every couple of years on how we're going to broadcast our games in America. I'm going to stick with the platform, and you're going to know where to find us, and I'm going to be there year after year, even though someone down the street may pay me, you know, uh, a million euro more for a season or something. We're trying to build what we're doing. We're trying to create availability in our product. And that availability will build our fan base five years from now. So I know the best intentions are there. I know there's smart people in the room, but 20 is better than 18. Especially when you talk about the Coppa Italia and after the Super League and the format makes absolutely no sense. And we've Yeah, that was a horrible decision, I feel. To reduce the Coppa Italia to Serie A and Serie B. I, another one I have a hard time understanding is it's somehow you know, TV related, but I come back and say, you give me a Serie D team playing Inter and San Siro because they won some games? I think yeah. it's come true. I think you guys live it you know, with the FA Cup and you. Exactly. And I think what you see a lot of the Coppa Italia is like, oh, we have to do it. And then once we get to the semifinals, it kind of matters. There could be a spot in Europe for some clubs. But until then, it doesn't matter. We're, you know, this year, I mean, we're going to play fewer games in the Copa as a Serie B club and take mm-hmm. games away. And I, I, you have fans that haven't been in the stadium for 18 months and we're given fewer games, not more games. It, I, I'm a fan of inclusivity. I'm a fan of you know, how do you go deeper and bigger in Copa Italia and give people dreams to come to from clubs at different levels. And that's that's the joy of it. I mean, I, look, I mentioned I have an American club that's a uh, fourth division club. We've had the opportunity to play MLS clubs in our version of the U.S. Open Cup. And, you know, it's a dream come true for our players to go out there and go into uh, Sporting KC Stadium and play Sporting KC in front of a full stadium, packed full stadium, watching our little fourth division club, you know, hold on against that MLS (laughs) club and and play it. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. Yeah, that's the the beauty of football is when you get... You know, a smaller side playing against the bigger side and the possibility to win. If you take that out of the game, what 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 have you got? <laughs> I do was Benoni versus Inter the other, the other year, Alessandro versus uh, I think Calgary. You know, these these potential upsets. I mean, it's just not marketed in the right way. I'm really conscious of time, so because I know we said we'd let you go soon. So I I, I, mean, I know you've got one more question, but I, well, I think you have. But one of mine would be just a very basic one. Actually, you know, when you look back over the history. Uh, Parma, which is especially in the last couple of decades, very rich, very glorious. You know, my mind always goes back to people like uh, Luca Bucci, Christo Stoichkov. You know, these players that actually graced the Tardinian and 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 really fulfilled my childhood with some glorious memories. Um, when you look back in, in Parma's history, I know it's probably not right of you to say one person, but there is a, a player or two players that really stick out in the mind that really associate with Parma. Not allowed to say Gigi. one of the players you know because I mean I'm 41 now and my earliest memory is probably Parler even beating Milan when they were in Serie B in the Coppa d'Italia so I don't know just wondered if there's something with Palm that sticks out in your mind well I got asked this question uh, right after I bought the club (laughs) I mentioned I'll mention again I mentioned Fabio Fabio Cannavaro um, for us for the national team as the answer to the Question. And I say it with a smile on my face because uh, for us, uh, Alessandro Lucarelli was in the room when I said this. And so I had to then make the smile and the joke. Oh, I meant, I meant to say 
Alessandro Vicarelli, I guess. It's always me, my same bad jokes. But yeah, just, the list is fantastic. I mean, you take you take a starting eleven, a historic starting eleven of Conrad, and it's just a, it's a beautiful list yeah. around who we have, who, who can be of that eleven. Um, but just for whatever between that, the national team appearances, I just uh, kind of our was one that I, but I could you know we've done things uh, with Jerome recently, like I mentioned, on the Black Lives Matter standpoint. So certainly uh, he continues to to be part of us from a legend point. A lot of them. Yeah, we're just blessed with a lot of fantastic players. Yeah, so it's a tough first 11, that one. And then, by the way, Alessandro Lucarelli was very kind to me. I watched Palmer actually in a random place in northwest UK in Burnley and uh, had a nice little chat with him. He's a really good bloke. Um, have you got one final question? Because we have to let Carl go, because I could honestly talk for hours. <laughs> we can't talk yeah, one more question, Kyle. Um, obviously, as you know well, and Richard knows well, Italy and stadiums, you know, they're 4,000 years old, you know, nearly as old as the Coliseum, most stadiums in Italy. Obviously, you, you said earlier that you're working on the on the Tardini and on the training ground. Has the city of Parma been supportive? Because we've seen with Roma and Rome, you know, there was the green light and then there was this objection and that objection. And now we're seeing it with Milan and the San Siro and the city, there's almost like a standoff. So have the city... Parma been supportive of you and what you're trying to do with the Tardini? Well, I always have to say so far. <laughs> but so far, it's been very positive. I look at it as an American, and you show up and say, gee, I want to come into your town, take this asset that you have, it's 100 years old, and I want to spend 90 million euro there. May I? <laughs> and you go, okay. And you think from Parma's standpoint, you take this and you say, you got the stadium. You know, we're lucky enough that our city and our club has the same name. So around the world, Parma as a city, Parma as a club, you, you, we're, we're creating a marketing and branding message for the city along with for the club. Yeah. And it's it's not about politics. It, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to make sure we build it sustainably. It's important to us as a company, as a family. We're going to make sure we're right to the neighbors because also that's important to us. We want to be there and be partners for a long, long time. That's the concerns people have. It's, you know, it's what's going to happen here and it's going to be better from a neighbor standpoint. It's going to be better from a sustainability standpoint. It's a 100-year-old stadium. How sustainable could it be? <laughs> and so, so far, the city's been fantastic. I met with the deputy mayor uh, last week when I was in Parma, another positive meeting. Um, so we feel good, and hopefully this uh, this few moments will be talking age as well. <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed that everything that the green light has been uh, will be given in December. And yeah, because I mean, stadium renovation is key, I think, to the future of Serie A and Serie B clubs. Yeah, and I think it's, it, you, you being in England, you see it. You're you know you got for the most part fantastic stadiums across. And you, know, you get a fan experience, and you create the uh, number one football product in the world there. And I think with Italy, you have to think of that bar of saying, what are stadiums like around the world? And what's that look like? And what do I have to do to be competitive and give a different mindset? I know when we, we surveyed um, the citizens and fans of Parma, like, what do you want at the new Tardini? And it's a little bit, you don't know what you don't know. 
because yeah. you only know it. I'm not saying they only know Italian football stadiums, but that's what you kind of know and think of. Yeah. I'd say, oh, but it could be this. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I, you know, why would you want to go to a, why would you want to go to an Italian stadium to eat a meal? Have you ever been to an Italian stadium and tried to eat a meal? It's not a great experience. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of looking more in the sort of Bundesliga model where there's a place for everyone, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it's, uh, English football stadiums are criticised for being quite sanitised, but it's having a place for the family, the place for the media, the place for corporate, the place for the ultra. You know, you've got to keep that atmosphere as well. I think that's crucial to Italian stadiums. But listen, Carl, I, I don't want to cut it short. We could go on. But I just want to thank you from uh, everyone here at the Gentleman Ultra and it obviously related with The Guardian. Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been brilliant talking to you. It's so, it's really made, I think, me and I can hopefully speak, and really happy about, I feel so positive about the future of Palmer and where it's going. And something, as Emmett rightly said before, is a club that in England is very much to people's hearts. It feels like it's in really good hands. So, Carl, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, hopefully we can, we maybe talk again soon. I appreciate being asked. Like I mentioned at the beginning, it's a thrill for me to be able to talk about pharmacology for a while. It's a topic I have a lot of passion about. You guys are nice enough to have me on. So I appreciate Love to come back. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, forward to pharma.